Hello, everyone. Uh, wherever you are in whatever time zone. Um, I'm Suzanne Kilkis, the resident teacher here at Open Door Zen in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm um, here today. Flint is uh, in the UK with Maria, who's uh, and the UK Sangha. Um, they'll be doing their retreat beginning on Thursday. I think he arrived yesterday. So we'll uh, let's begin with a sit and then we'll go on for um, what we do in inquiry.
in a moment or so you'll be hearing the bell bringing our sitting to a close as as you do hear it you open your eyes or look up and look at everyone on the screen through the lens of how rare and valuable everyone is here including yourself And together we'll say the verse of the robe. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Hello again, everybody. For those of you who were who came on after we started, I'm Suzanne Kilkas, the resident teacher here uh, at Open Door Zen Community in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm here today in uh, this chair in this seat. Flint has uh, just arrived, I guess, yesterday in the UK, preparing for the UK retreat. He's been on uh, the retreat tour season. Um, he started with us a couple of weeks ago. Um, spent this last weekend in Minneapolis with the Awakening Together Sangha and is now on to the UK. So um, I, I wish him well. I think we all do. He does this and uh, we all wonder how, how, how does he do this? But um, you know, he's a, such a fine teacher and he's so deeply connected and dedicated to all of us. So today I, um, I, I asked you to or suggested to you to look at each other in a particular way because I, or through a particular lens, because I want to offer some thoughts on responsibility today. Last week at our fall retreat, Flint opened it with the teaching he received from his teacher, Blanche, when he asked her about the precepts and he was ready to take the precepts. She gave him a teaching by Kobenchino Roshi. And I think many of you may be familiar with it. I was, as we've used it here as part of our intro to our precepts classes. Hearing it this time though, I focused on what uh, Chino Roshi said about responsibility. It has stayed in my heart these last uh, many days. So I, wanna, I want to focus with that today. Chino Roshi said, 
The more you sense the rareness and value of your own life, the more you realize that how you use it, how you manifest it, is all your responsibility. We face such a big task, so naturally a person sits down for a while. It's not an intended action, it's a natural one. I really like that last idea that it's such a big task to uh, face ourselves and to take on the responsibility of our life that we just need to sit down for a while, which I think is a great way to describe practice. We often speak of responsibility, though, as uh, the ability to respond rather than react from our automatic pilot of life conditioning. As we develop the ability to respond, we practice pausing, considering what is called for, looking at options, making the choice, and then taking deliberate action. All of this might happen quite quickly or over a long period of time. An example of a quick one happened on our retreat when the fire alarm went off in our room and we all looked up and it was smoky. So we had to vacate the room very quickly and and then those of us who were managing the retreat had to decide how to get the fire department there, what numbers to call um, and all of that. Um, so it happened quite quickly, but there are other other uh, considerations that uh, happened over a period of time. But each of these are necessary steps and important to practice every day, even though we'll never get it perfectly. We're never going to eliminate our conditioning um, or an automatic response to something. Um, but this kind of practice is a really important um, aspect of our overall practice. What got my attention in hearing Chino Roshi's teaching this time was the more you sense the rareness and value of your own life. That line, as it's connected to taking responsibility for how we use our lives and what we manifest. Commonly, though, responsibility is often taught as a character trait, something to develop as we mature. Unfortunately, it is often felt and held as a burden a weight to carry in the face of the difficulties of everyday life, admonitions like be responsible or who's responsible for this mess, burden us with fears and even shame that can last quite a long time. I look around at the world and hear and see, I'm sure all of you do too, we see so much blaming, so much lack of responsibility for what is happening. I've often wondered what keeps people in reaction rather than choosing a response, you know, in any particular circumstance. I've been a student of human behavior all of my adult life, and this uh, wondering might be might reflect some naivete on my part. Um, however, seeing the suffering and the pain caused by reactions is so heartbreaking and discouraging, isn't it? But facing the the difficulties of life seems insurmountable at times. So we engage in distractions of all sorts to help us avoid what we fear will be too painful to face. During our retreat, it was the weekend um, of the attack um, on Israel by Hamas. And we were there facing life as it arised, as it arose, actually. Um, and 
it still was so difficult to face and to consider all of our Israeli friends and what they were going through. We have several people here um, who have family still in Israel and uh, what the Palestinian civilians were going through. Um, and it was, we all needed to be together to face it, I think is what I'm wanting to say. We can take our avoidance to the ridiculous. And what came to me in when I, when I wrote that down, I recently finished a novel. One of the characters in the novel was a person who really had a hard time taking responsibility for what was happening in his life to the extent that he was driving it at what time, at one point and rather fast and he came over a hill and he hit the car in front of him who was going slower. He injured himself quite severely as he was laying in his hospital bed. He was thinking about what had happened and he decided that it was the fault of the driver of the other car who was a pregnant woman. And he thought that no a pregnant women didn't have any right to be out on the road. It was too dangerous for them. So it was her fault. You know, that just seemed really ridiculous when I read that story, but it certainly fit the character. But uh, avoidance can also take, uh, take us to the dangerous, such as all the gun violence that uh, we experience in our country and around the world. Judy Meyerson, a teacher and student of Joanna Macy, gives us this reminder of our human capacity. She says, our human nervous systems, bodies and brains are not designed to handle this ongoing massive input and threat. And so many of us tend to turn away as if in a Netflix, Netflix parody of reality, don't look up. I'm not familiar with that one, but so I'll take her word for it and numb or distract ourselves. And if we do fully look at reality as it is, we are often at a loss as to how we can possibly hold it all, allow ourselves to fully feel the extent of our pain and grief and move through our despair. Joanna Macy, the well-known teacher, Buddhist teacher, offers us this in the face of what Judy says here, being fully present to fear, to gratitude, to all that is, is the, is the practice of mutual belonging. I'm gonna start that again. Being fully present to fear, to gratitude, to all that is, this is the practice of mutual belonging. As living members of the living body of earth, we are grounded in that kind of belonging. We will find ways to remember, celebrate and affirm this deep knowing. We belong to each other. We belong to earth. Even faced with cataclysmic changes, nothing can ever separate us from her. We are already home. The practice of mutual belonging is the medicine for the sickness of the small self and can accompany us through the bardo, through the hard times ahead. The thought that we might have a medicine and it is in our connection with each other is, is so comforting, I think. Colbin Roshi's teaching, tying responsibility to the rareness and value of our own life brings up the question for me, 
How do we get to this realization of rareness and value? Because if this is the foundation of responsibility, and I think it is, our practice together and on our own reveals the light of true nature, what the Buddha spoke of following being enlightened to the truth of life. Teachers, our ancestors after the Buddha, such as the Bodhidharma in China, spoke of big self nature as inconceivably wondrous. However, I think we all know this does not mean that it is bliss or perfection or a life free of difficulties and challenges and pain. The poet Donna Ashworth makes this perfectly clear in her poem, You're Perfect, You're Being Possessive, Y-O-U-R. Here's her poem. If you are not broken, bruised, weathered and worn, where have you been, my friend? If your battered heart does not still break every day, then perhaps you are not paying attention. Don't come out of this life preserved and perfect, my friend. You're supposed to crumble and rebuild a million times over until your soul is satisfied you have given your all because that's why you are here. Your perfect is not needed, but your broken is very important, very important indeed. This broken she speaks of may be more like the crack of disappointment, which I experienced Sunday evening when I was in Minneapolis for a family event and I had made arrangements to meet Ryan and Emily of the Awakening Together uh, Sangha there um, after their retreat with Flint. And I was so looking forward to it. We all work. And then at three o'clock in the afternoon, we receive a call from my nephew who I had seen the night before. He had brought his babies over to my sister's house for us to hang out together for a while. And we really enjoyed each other and there was hugging and there was holding babies and all of that. And at, and at the end, as he was getting the children ready to go home, he said, oh, they've had a cold this week, but they're over it. And he said, so, you know, don't have to worry about them. So he left and then the next day at three o'clock, he called up and he said, I'm so sorry to say this, but I've come down with COVID and I'm not feeling well at all. So I knew I needed to contact Flint and Ryan and Emily and tell them that it's probably not a good idea for me to come over. And uh, as we talked, we all agreed that that was the right thing to do. And we had a nice conversation um, and we hung up and I could feel my heart squeeze with disappointment and I took myself for a walk to be able to just walk through the disappointment. What's not wasn't earth shattering, but when you look forward to something and um, you know it can't happen, it is the responsible thing to do. And being responsible doesn't always bring happiness, of course. But what I did think in my process of considering it was if I did come down with COVID and I had gone to see them um, three days later, I would feel awful about having exposed all three of them to that possibility, especially with Flint flying to the UK and knowing he was spending all that time there with all of you. 
So of course, it also involves facing extensive loss and grief, deep troubles and what feel like insurmountable experiences, war and violence and famine. And, you know, we're all aware of them. If we choose a life of practice with and for each other, we realize the rareness and value of our lives. At least that is the possibility. And we are held in the most difficult and painful of times and able to practice the tenets of the peacemaker's order. I think are a good example. Don't know mind, bearing witness and compassionate action, all within a container of love. We won't always know what to do. That's the don't know mind. But we can always face the truth of what is. That's the bearing witness. And we can choose to act compassionately towards self and others. That's the action. Responsibility then, I think, is a function of expressing our light, the light of true nature, of basic goodness in the world, which as Donna Ashbrook said in her poem is very important, very important indeed. So I'm wondering what thoughts you have about this or what questions come up as you hear this. Um, and so I'm going to turn it over to uh, anybody who wants to, to come on screen and speak to everybody else. Now we have Rosemary. Hello, Rosemary. Hi, Suzanne. So, so lovely to see you. Well, good to see you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, so in light of um, these horrific um, times that we're in, um, I recently heard a poem by Thich Nhat Hanh, which many people may know called um, call me by my true names mm -hmm. and I find this really helpful because he is um, evening out our our responses by including those who do hurt others mm -hmm. and um, he says I am the one also I am that one also who does harm and you know i think one of the parts is and this this person hasn't um been at the place yet where they can see what they're doing or something like this and i find it really helpful to um balance out the outrage which is so easy to have um and it also reminds me in um diane rosetto's book um waking up to what we do um where she's about to she's helping the tenzo and on retreat and she says to um i think it was mel weitzman oh should i go out and um and get the vegetables you know get the vegetables from the garden and he says yes as long as you know that you're murdering them and you know i think this is really important to keep in mind our own aggression um which never completely leaves us and um it just for me helps to um have more balanced response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. 
I, when I was introduced to uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's poem, Call Me By My Real Name, I think one of the first lines, uh, at least in the first few lines, is I am the rapist. <laughs> and it just stunned me to consider that, oh, yes, we do need to even it out, as you say. I'm really glad, uh, I'd really take how you say it. We do need to even it out. It's not an us and a them. It's a us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rosemary. Thanks, Suzanne. Thanks, so. Well, there you are. There you are, Chris. Hello. Oh, Zoom. Hi, Suzanne. I think this is the first time I've visited with you. It's good to meet you in this way. Um, I'm not sure if you just said this, um, but anyway, someone did in the last few days about responsibility being about responding. Mm -hmm. And th that's very helpful to me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always working with the distinction between reacting and responding. Mm -hmm. um, so putting that bit on responsibility helps me with making that distinction. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty allergic to words like responsibility, duty, discipline. Mm -hmm. um, and what was, no, it's discipline is the big one. Mm -hmm. um, Flint helped me with discipline as well by saying, discipline is remembering what you want. Yes. Well, that's so different from the way discipline was taught to, taught to me when I was young, mm -hmm. the, the meanings that were put on it. Mm -hmm. So just thank you for, for talking about responsibility. That's very helpful for me. And, mm. you know, that, that, that frame of this is about responding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, thanks for coming up, uh, Chris, uh, to, to say this, because as a culture, we get responsibility all wrong. Um, we, we handle it as a burden. We handle it as something we have to carry. We handle it, in, you know, as you said, as discipline or duty. Um, but we, we don't think of, about it in terms of, I have the ability to respond here. My for example, my nephew did not have to call us. He felt very sad about it. He didn't have to call us to tell us he had COVID, had come down with COVID. But he thought that was the responsible thing to do because a group of us were at my sister's and we were from all over the country. So he knew, hmm, that was the responsible thing to do. And so I had to pay it forward in contacting Flint and Ryan and Emily. And because that I had the ability to consider if I go over there and I pass on COVID and Flint gets on a plane and goes to UK and, you know, brings, you know, that has ramifications much bigger than the moment of disappointment. And yet we so struggle with developing the ability to respond. And that, it, that is what respondability is all about. 
-hmm. Yeah, I um, I I just came back from a, a vacation trip, mm -hmm. which was interrupted by the the death of an uncle, my father's last mm -hmm. sibling, and um, at first. <laughs> I thought, oh, Charles, why did you have to die now? Which horrified me that that thought went through my head. But, and, and so there was a few hours where I had to decide, am I going to go to his funeral? Which mm -hmm. I know will mean a lot to his family, but mm -hmm. it's right in the middle of my vacation. But mm -hmm. my response ability did come back and say, yes, of course you have to go to the funeral. So mm -hmm. that's that's very meaningful. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like you gave yourself choices and you chose to respond that way. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. And I was aware of all of that happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful example, Chris. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Suzanne. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. Mm -hmm. We have Darcy. Hello, Darcy. Hello, hello. It's good to see you, Suzanne, to see good everyone. To the words that were really sticking out for me, and I read this somewhere else this week. Maybe it was Open Door, um, the Coben Roshi quote. Mm -hmm. um, but the part that was sticking out for me, again, you know, it's the more you sense the rareness and value of life, the, the really the weight of this responsibility, no wonder you have to sit down for a while. It's that that you have to sit down for a while, and um, I I feel myself feeling brokenhearted just over and over and over again, you know, and and it's that um, I don't know it feels like a sense of exhaustion or something, mm -hmm. and so it seems like I. Even in the just in the course of a day, I I sit down to feel the fear, the despair, the you know whatever it is, joy, you know any. But it's all really full and raw and big, and um, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, and sometimes I think, goodness gracious, she just. You can hardly get anything done for all this having to sit down in the middle of all this stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I don't know. I see other people, it looks like they're able to be more productive. <laughs> um, well, it depends on what you consider as productive, because what I hear you describing, Darcy, is that necessary pause in order to just come to what's called for here, sometimes what's called for is the sitting down, is the being with ourselves so that we don't add to suffering. We don't add to our own suffering or we don't add to anybody else's suffering. 
I guess if that's the best I can do, that's the best I can do. Yeah. Yeah. And it it is a really good thing to do. <laughs> it is important indeed. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to a, um, a, a fair amount of Norman Fisher's uh, talks these days, and every talk has some has some part of it that he says, this is such an essential action to sit down, mm-hmm. practice, to practice with ourselves, to practice with others and for others. This, this is one of the most important things we can do. And part of me goes, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And I think Colbin Roshi's a piece about, you know, it's just a natural act to sit down. That encouragement, that support to pause and to consider. We don't get much encouragement to do that except in our practice life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so always so grateful and I'm really glad that you spoke to how important pausing is to face our broken heartedness and be with it. Because of yeah, I'm really trying not to not to push it aside. Just I think rather than trying to push to to get things done, if I sense mm-hmm. you know something that seems to want to grab, mm-hmm. just take the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is interesting because when I do actually let it, you know take that pause and feel it, it, it doesn't last long. Mm-hmm. What lasts longer is all the resisting it that I do sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Because we have to keep resisting. We have to keep putting our energy into the resistance of mm-hmm. it's true. But if we turn toward what's true, what you're saying here is so important. If we turn toward what is, it's with our broken hearts that love can come pouring out. Yeah. Well, it's very affirming. I appreciate you bringing it up. And the, it's like, it's no wonder we have to sit down for a while. It, it, it is kind of validating for me. <laughs> but I wanted to hear what else, what you had to say about that. Mm-hmm. So thank you mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. For being here. So good. It's so good to be with you. Mm-hmm. Bridget. <laughs> Suzanne, thank you so much. Um, because it, the idea of my ability to respond. Mm-hmm. One of the things you remarked about, though, is that we can end up trying to distract ourselves with other things in order not to feel all that. And that seems to be um, something I've been particularly doing since the, um, and, and I haven't been able to turn on the news or look at any more of the images coming from the Middle East, it's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And um, I 
I have had that same sense that Darcy's described in terms of just needing to pause. But what about those who want to distract ourselves? Because I, I, um, I came home from you know a in, in rather intense weekend with seeing both my sisters. Um, we were all together, but one of them doesn't talk to the other. But we were at a common baby shower for my um, my niece, the the daughter of one of my sisters, and so. I've been, I mean, I literally have listened to a five hour audio book. What do I do or what should I do in order to try to re refocus my ability to respond? Because it just, it, it just um, is, is so difficult mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. so, well, I'm interested in your remarks. Yeah, Bridget. I don't think distracting ourselves is a bad thing in and of itself. It's how we use it. Because you know, in that piece that I read to you about from Judy Meyerson saying, we're not built for all of this, to take this all in all the time, constantly. We do have to step back. Mm -hmm. And so we might distract, we might call it distraction, but we might, it might be the way we take a pause to regroup our nervous system, to okay. restore it. So we might read a book, we might go out and garden, we might, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's how we use it and that we know that we'll come back. We'll come back sometime. Okay. Well, that's um, reassuring because I was mm. just, that helps. Thank you very uh -huh. much. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. As we begin retreats, often we're reminded that in retreat, we're not retreating from the world. We're attending to retreating from our conditioning so that who we really are is revealed. And we're practicing that. So we need to sit down. We need to go to places that can restore us and re renew us because we're not we're not meant to go on empty as uh trudy so she uh, so wonderfully talked about last week although she used emptiness in a different way but we do need to refuel and renew ourselves Now we have Cassie. Hello, Cassie. Um, <coughs> what struck me was the line you just said of retreating from our conditioning. Mm -hmm. And I, I picked up a pen and I wrote it down. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and my, what a wonderful thing it would be to take a break from myself. <laughs> um and then the other thing that comes up for me is um another statement that was um uh, 
being faithful to my sorrows, being faithful to, uh, you know, these things that I know I want to change. And so, um, yeah, that Cassie, that pause for that moment there, what was, what was that? Was that a faithfulness pause? It was, um, it was like looking for the energy to move, to make that move, to, you know, it's just like, okay, now I have awareness about this thing, but then if I don't do anything about that awareness, then, then I still feel stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And so I find that I'm looking for that energy. I'm looking for, um, It's not that I'm looking for the turn because I think I see the turn. I'm looking for the step. Mm. 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 You can never go wrong with giving it a drop of love, Cassie. <laughs> okay. okay. With giving yourself a good drop of love. <laughs> Okay, now I have Mary Poppins in my head. <laughs> Singing some songs. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Buddha of Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we forget when we when something comes up and we go, oh, this one again. Yeah. You know, we're so conditioned to be critical of ourselves. When we can look at it through the lens of love, we, we come by all of this stuff honestly, no? Yeah, yeah. And when we can go, oh, there you are, okay. I can bring some love to this. Yeah, and that actually has a lot of energy in it. It does. It really does. It really does, yeah. I, could, I yeah. felt it. I felt it. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> that, that might do. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I was reviewing my notes from our retreat this morning, and um, one of the things I wrote down was curiosity always will lead us to compassion. And curiosity is simply a wondering. It's, oh, what's this? Oh, what's this? And when we can be genuinely curious about ourselves, about others, about what's going on, it opens our hearts. When I heard that curiosity leads to compassion, I paused. 
because I thought I don't want to just take that on as a you know a good trope you know pass it on kind of thing so I, I observed it for a day and go well, if I'm curious about something you know anything that showed up will I eventually feel a connection to it in a positive way something compassionate and I found out that that was true so it reminded me of um uh, uh Roshi um uh Aiken uh, Robert Aiken who said Zen in Zen there is nothing to believe but everything to be discovered and I went oh okay I can discover this I can take a teaching in and I can discover this and I did I discovered it Rosemary's back. Yeah, good. <laughs> it's, like meeting, it's like meeting you on the hill at the hooey, Rosemary. I know. <laughs> yes. Back again. So, so the curiosity brings compassion. I think, you know, um, and I was thinking about you too, Cassie, with, with your wanting, you know, to, to you know, change and 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 how huge these things can feel there's that step and um i think um curiosity it requires a slowdown that at least for me at times is um there's a lot of fear and just the slowing down that the curiosity requires and um so i think that's that's kind of important because I think it's true that you can't get to compassion without um, that curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, if, if it's a pattern, let's say, if it's a pen and entrenched pattern, um, yeah. Well, eating, for example. Well, eating and then also um, TV watching, big, big pattern. Mm -hmm. um, so I can deal better with let's not do it as much or let's slow down with the eating you know the behavioral part mm -hmm. much more than oh let's see what happens and this is from diane rosetto you know when she says let's you know when you're about to turn the tv on or take the food whatever it is let's explore what happens when you're about to and i just yeah so that's that's that curiosity and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it's it's huge for me, anyway, Bill, for um, sharing with us. Thanks, Suzanne. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hello, Sue. Hello, Suzanne. Your talk today was very potent, and everyone who's come up is added to to that. And when you talked about the curiosity and as you age you need a lot of curiosity to meet what's what comes and this week i went to my retinologist who told me that my macular degeneration is worse in one eye and spreading into the second eye 
And those were not the words I wanted here. And I spent some time feeling very sad and uh, distressed by all of this. And then I talked with my husband and talked with some friend and I talked with another friend this morning and sort of felt like, okay, okay, now, now I'm ready with the curiosity, you know, what do I need to know? What do I, you know, what's going to give me a feeling of, well, there could be some things to do. And so I've been reading quite a lot about it from reliable sources. And it's, you know, it's just kind of amazing what, where your curiosity can lead you and for me the curiosity you know allows me to forgive this monster in my eyes <laughs> and it also allows me to um, to be happier again it allows my my spirit to kind of come through and I can be me. I'm not this thing. I'm me. Yes. And, you know, I mean, I, I just hadn't truly realized before that the macula is the very center part of your eye mm -hmm. and that I'm not going to go blind. Mm -hmm. I'm just losing sight there. Well, maybe I can't drive because, but if you ever get this, there's an entertainment to it, which is to close one eye and like look at TV or look at, at people and they become very warped <laughs> and parts of them disappear. So you can entertain yourself <laughs> with, <laughs> with these ridiculous things, that, you know, you don't want them, but mm -hmm. you know, if they're there, well, um, do something with them. <laughs> so it's, you know, just kind of a, it was a very strong topic for me today. And mm -hmm. I have to admit, I'm very shocked. I've come forward <laughs> to tell people about this, mm -hmm. but beautiful teaching, Sue. Thank you, you know, so much. Yeah. And, it, and, and the curiosity yeah. is a huge part of it. Yes, it is. It is. And what you're speaking about is how we apply it to something that comes up in our life. Yeah. And something's always coming up. Oh, yeah. ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Indeed. So oh. thank you very much. Susan. Thank you so much, Sue. Why don't you stay on, Sue? And we're going to, um, in light of this conversation, let's say the refuges. We all need to have a refuge to fly back to. I take refuge in Buddha, I take refuge in Dharma, I take refuge in Sangha. We take refuge in Buddha, immersing body and mind deeply in the way, awakening true mind. We take refuge in Dharma, entering deeply the merciful ocean of Buddha's way. We take refuge in Sangha, bringing harmony to everyone free from hindrance. Now all being has completely taken refuge in Buddha, now all being has completely taken refuge in Dharma. Now all being has completely taken refuge in Sangha.
Thank you, everyone. Thank you for being here. I'll hand it back over to Maria now for the porch. Mm. Oh, thank you so much, Susanna, for such a rich talk and that brought so many of you forward. So thank you all, all so much for that. And if you'd like to offer Dana to Susanna, please go to opendoorsencommunity.org forward slash donate and you'll find places to offer Dana to to um, Susanna there, but thank you all so much. And if you'd like to stay on for a further 30 minutes, please pop yourself into gallery view and I shall join you in just a moment. So thank you all so much. And bye-bye to anyone that's going. <laughs>